Yeah, I just thought I might use my Bible too. <laughs> We're um, babysitting two grandbabies. Now, if you know, some of you know what I mean when I say this, uh, getting them in the car seats were an experience. I told Susan to start that about 4.30, but she didn't. And so then we got out to the car, and I, of course, locked the door and got in the car, and she was still trying to get them, get them in the car seats. She said, oh, no, I forgot the diaper bag. You know, we hadn't done this in a long time, you know. <laughs> My key wouldn't work in the door because Ezra, when he plays in the yard, he gets sticks Acts like it's a key, so he's got it full of sticks. I couldn't get in the house. So we came without a diaper bag. So y'all believe God Ezra doesn't, doesn't have any uh, little accidents and what have you. Hey, Samuel, I didn't see you back there in the sound booth tonight. Good to see y'all. Amen. Angie, appreciate you being on the camera. And David, all that you've done. Everybody that helps us get set up around here. Amen. Amen. We're going to get into the Word tonight. Amen. Last Wednesday night, we began a, a teaching on the Holy Spirit. Yes. And what we're t entitling this series is because I, I, I just pray about the title as much as I do about what we're supposed to be teaching. And the Lord said, because, you know, you could just say the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and we're just in a new day, and there's millions of things out there in the Holy Spirit. And the Lord said, title it this way. He said, title it an ignited Holy Spirit-charged life. In other words, what it is to have an ignited Holy Spirit-charged life. And tonight we're on part two of that. Last week we talked about being led by the Spirit. Boy, I'm, you know, that was some interesting information because Amen. the Lord begins to show us that, and I'm seeing this regularly. I don't know that you are. Maybe you run into it too. But as a pastor, I see this on a regular basis where people, Christian people, church, quote-unquote church people, that are being led, but it's not by the Spirit of God. And yet they think it is, and you can't do anything in the world to convince them otherwise because they have trained themselves to follow their, as Paul said, and this is what we closed with last week, is to follow the leading of their own appetites or desires or what they want to do. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't always just lead you in what you want to do. Say so amen to that. That's one of the reasons. But tonight we're going to talk about being comforted by the Holy Spirit, His comforter role. The question comes up is why do we even need the Holy Spirit? Well, I won't have time to answer that question like I want to, but I will give you just some things the Holy Spirit gave me this afternoon, just the way to communicate this to you. Amen. Why do we need the Holy Spirit is, number one, we can't even thrive without the influence of the Spirit. Right. I use that word thrive. Now, you can survive. There's all kind of people surviving without Him, but God didn't call us to survive. We're not supposed to live our lives in survival mode. Amen. But you can't thrive. Now, now, the word thrive means flourish, prosper, and succeed. Now, that's where God wants His... Church, Amen. your life always in a prospering, flourishing, thrive, something that's doing well, something that's succeeding or something that's actually, I think of my grandmother, you know, I mean, I can hear my grandmother's voice a lot of times when I'm out in the yard working and this won't have nothing to do with it, but I hear my grandmama saying this to me all the time. She'll say, James, son, get that hedge out of my nanner bell bush. And that was my job to get the hedges out of the nanner bell bush. What was the nanner bell bush? I don't know. But I can see, you know, certain things she had. One thing she really enjoyed was her, the wisteria vine. Well, you know, that was supposed to thrive. Well, I went through the time when you didn't know what a weed eater was, and then you have weed eaters. And when you get a weed eater for the first time, and you're about 12, 13 years of age, boy, you just go to town with it. And, and so I sometimes was accused of not letting her wisteria thrive. You know, because I mean, I just get into everything. Well, thrive means to cover. Kudzu thrives. The Christian is supposed to thrive. But yeah. why do you need the Holy Spirit? Amen. Think about that. Now that will stick in your mind. You can't thrive, and God wants us to thrive, flourish, yes. prosper, and succeed. 
you can't thrive without the influence of the Spirit in our lives. David, who was, you know, a lot of people say, well, can't you be good without the Holy Spirit? Well, not really, because only God is good, and it takes God's Spirit to do that. Amen. Look at this scripture. This is Psalm 51, 11 and 12. This is King David. David was a great man. We talked, we bragged a lot about David when we began our series Sunday morning on worship. Powerful man, but when he sinned as a grown man, he was a king. When he should have been out to war, he committed sin with Bathsheba. And after that, this was Psalm 51 was his prayer because you remember now, does anybody know what should have happened to him for his sin with Bathsheba and, and with her husband Uriah because he basically had him murdered, right? What was the judgment for such a thing as that? Be stoned to death. It didn't matter if you're a king or not. You should have been stoned to death. And remember, Nathan the prophet came in there and knowing what, because God had told Nathan the prophet what had happened, what David had done with Bathsheba and with Uriah and uh, having him killed. The prophet said this to David, David not knowing his sin was found out. Remember, the prophet said, uh, I got a story to tell you, king, and I want you to kind of give me what you would do on this. So there was a man had a sheep and it was the little family pet. and It was the only sheep they had. And uh, it's just the family pet, and they loved it. And then there was this rich guy up here that had just thousands and thousands and thousands of sheep. And he had some company come, and so he wanted to serve lamb chops. So he came and got this man's little one pet and killed it instead of any of his. What do you think ought to happen? David said, that man ought to be killed. Nathan said, you demand. Said, uh, you know, Uriah had one wife, and you could have had any woman in, in Israel, single women, you know. You could have had any of them. You took Uriah's wife, you know, and so the judgment is you should die, and that was the way it's supposed to be. Well, Psalm 51, you might want to make note of this. Psalm 51 was his cry and prayer to God to not be killed, and there's something that he interjected into this thing. It wasn't just to not be killed, but he wanted his life back. He wanted the joy of salvation. I'm just getting a part of it. If you'll look up here, this was his Psalm 51 is his prayer, but look at this part of it, what he said. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And I wanted you to see that. That was one of the first things on his list is, Lord, don't, don't kick me out of your kingdom. Don't take me out of your presence. Quit, don't, don't quit loving on me and blessing me and living with me and being with me. I can't thrive without you. And he said, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And then, of course, he goes on to say, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Because, boy, I'm telling you, when you are guilty of the sin you've committed is guilty of death, you've lost your joy. And he said, restore back to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Now, free spirit is another reference back to the Holy Spirit. And that free spirit, here's the definition. I want you to just jot down when you think about the Holy Spirit. Free means really, that word in the Hebrew means generously willing. So he said at the end of that, uphold me with your generously willing spirit. Or he described the Holy Spirit as being generously willing. Generously willing to help, generously willing to forgive me, generously willing to fill me, generously willing to do the things that I need done. In other words, I know I'm in trouble, I've done wrong, but yet your spirit's generously willing to work with me. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So what we're going to continue to look at tonight is to understand what His role is within us. I want to make just a statement to you. You can maybe write this down, but when you think about the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to throw that away. Of course, certainly, you know, because the Holy Spirit's called the Spirit the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. But I want you to just start thinking about it's God's Spirit. Yes. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. Now, what are you without your spirit? You're dead. Now, that's the only word you can come up with. Without your spirit, you're dead. When the Spirit leaves the body, you're dead. Now, start thinking about Father like that. Now, I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. Because if God's Spirit's not with Him, He'd be dead. Right. Right. Amen. 
Why am I trying to tell you this? Because I'm trying to tell you when we study the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. don't ever forget the fact that we're still worshiping one God. There's not three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Now, is that a one only doctrine? No, they're three in one. I'm not going to argue with the three or the one, but I want you to understand that. Realize we only have one God. He's revealed to us as the Father. He reveals to us as the Son, or He's revealed to us as the Son, and He's revealed to us and through us as the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is just simply God's Spirit. The reason I say that, when I first got saved, I don't know if any of y'all can bear witness with this in you, but when I first got saved, I didn't know whether when I was praying, what I didn't know whether to talk to God, talk to the Father, or talk to the Spirit. And the reason I wasn't sure about it, because I thought one would get jealous if I was talking to the other one. I thought, well, if I'm spending too much time talking to Jesus, then Father's going to be jealous about this. And if I start going off in the Holy Spirit, then Jesus is going to be... And, and that was a confusing thing to me, and I didn't have anybody around me at that time to straighten me out with that kind of understanding. And that was a real big deal to me. But then I realized you can call Jesus the Holy Spirit if you want to. Jesus lives on the inside of you, and He's in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. They're not in competition with one another, and they're certainly not jealous with each other. They're one and the same. Right, amen. And so the Holy Spirit, if you, this helps me to understand the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit, just like you've got a spirit in you, a heart in you, the heart of man. You have, God has a heart in Him, which is called His Spirit. But for God's Spirit to be with us, God's with you. Right. You, know, you can't have the Holy Spirit with you without God and Jesus being right, right there with Amen. you. Because they they right. they're not separated from each other. Now this will help you to understand that. Now look at this scripture and you'll see what I mean. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Tell me when you're there now. <laughs> now starting with the 9th verse, and you'll be familiar with it. He says, it is written, and he's of course quoting Isaiah 64. He said, it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the thing that God has prepared for them that love Him. Now, how many of you are real familiar with that verse? That, that strikes a familiar chord with you. Well, this is interesting to tell you, and you might want to underline that last phrase, because what we're about to learn about the Holy Spirit, this is the number one purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to reveal in you what God has in store for you. Yes. Amen. Now, we're going to find it in these further verses, because it says, Eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for you. But we're going to find the Holy Spirit is the revealer of those things. Amen. So without the help of the Holy Spirit, you'll live your life not knowing, not, not even knowing what God's got for you. How many of you remember when you first became Spirit-filled? Amen. And how many of you remember all of a sudden the Bible just started coming alive to Amen. you? And it didn't matter how long you'd been a Christian or how long you'd been in church or had a Bible at your house, but all of a sudden, Scriptures became alive. The Holy Spirit was a revealer of what belongs to you. That's right. Amen. And that's why you got a lot of Christians, and we're not in competition, and I don't want to sound like that a non-Spirit-filled Christian is a second-rate Christian because we're saved nonetheless. But what I want you to see is that without the Holy Spirit parting or in revealing inside of you what God has in store for you, you'll live your Christian life not knowing. When I became spirit-filled, I first time learned that, hey, healing belongs to me. Prosperity belongs to me. All those things, that had been in the Bible all the time you'd been a Christian, but when you got spirit-filled, those things began to open up to you because he's a revealer. Now let's read that verse again and we'll read further and see it. It is written in Isaiah 64, Eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that loved him, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Why? Now, here's how we know it. Because, verse 11, what man knows the things of the man except the spirit of man which is in him? Now, I know if that sounds a little blind to you, let me just, I'm going to paraphrase it in Gardner translation here. What person 
doesn't know or does know what's going on in his own heart except by his own heart. In other words, a lot of times we ask somebody, I say, I don't know if that's wrong or right. Well, in your heart you do know. You really don't need to ask anybody whether something's wrong or whether something's right because you really do know. And because your heart will reveal it to you, your own spirit. Now, you might not know a lot of things about the person next to you, but their heart knows everything about themselves. Well, the same way that our heart knows everything about us, God's heart knows everything about Him, and He's referring to the Holy Spirit as God's heart. See, you know, you might say, now, now Sam, I might say to Sam about talking about something, I say, well, Sam, deep in your heart you know the answer to that. And it would be true about his own right. life. Well, you could talk to Father God. You probably won't do this, but I'm just saying you could make an illustration here and you could look at God and say, now, God, you know that deep in your heart. And that's the same thing as saying, God, you know that deep in your Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the heart of God, is yes. what I'm trying to get across to you, yes. that knows all the things of God. Amen. And He's in you and me to reveal to us what God has right. for us. Let's read further Amen. and you'll see this as we go. Open you a little yes. bit. Amen. Verse 11, What man knows the things of man except for the spirit or the heart that's in man? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God or the heart of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Underline that phrase. Why is the Holy Spirit in us? So that we might know the things that are freely given to us of or from God. Amen. God has a whole list. It's in the Bible. God has a whole list of everything that He's given you. You don't know all those things, but the Holy Spirit in you does. And He's there to reveal those things. So why again? Look at verse 12. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why? So that we might know through the Holy Spirit the things that are freely given to us of God. That's a powerful revelation. So how do we stay under the leadership? Last week we talked about staying led by the Spirit of God. You'll never go wrong being led by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit has never led any person into trouble. You may need to hear this. The Holy Spirit's never led anybody into an unhappy situation, into a bad relationship. Holy Spirit's never led you on a wrong job. Right. You might have, but I'm just saying it wasn't His leadership. He's never led us into uncomfortable situations. We're going to deal with comfort tonight. The Holy Spirit's not about that. Now, to say you've never experienced those would be wrong, but to say the Holy Spirit led you in them would be wrong. So the Holy Spirit didn't lead you in those things. So no one's ever gotten in trouble by following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We get in trouble when we get out of the leadership of... Amen. So how do we stay under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, but number one is make sure you've been filled with the Spirit. Now, I just have to say that. Make sure you've been filled with the Spirit. Have you really asked God to fill you with the Spirit? Have you looked at the Scriptures? Have you studied the Scriptures that talk about being Spirit-filled? Have you decided that you wanted to customize what your Spirit-filled experience was? You can't do that. You can't customize the Bible. I remember when I first got saved, I was so hungry. I'd never heard, of course, growing up in the Methodist church, I never heard about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what that meant. I had no clue what that meant, anything about the Holy Spirit. We mentioned the Holy Spirit in our Methodist services every Sunday because we did what they call the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, Jesus born of the Virgin Mary and third day. You know, we went through all the things that really is the entirety of the gospel, basically. But... We did a redemption part of it, but we did not know. Sue and I were in the same church, and I can say this. I never heard anybody say anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I really never heard anybody preach against it. Right. I'm not saying they were preaching against it. Like, don't go with that. I, not at all. It's just like it was a hush-hush subject. Right. It just wasn't taught. And, and so I never heard anything bad or ill-willed about it. 
Then when I got saved and I started getting hungry for the Holy Spirit because I heard people like John Osteen and Kenneth Copeland talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I thought, I've never heard that in my life. Now I was just 20, you know. And so I got real hungry for the Holy Spirit. And in our little Methodist church, we had a little library. One of the, actually, one of the little classrooms had been turned into a small library where people donated books, and you could check them out and read them. And I ran across a book in there one day during the week. We were up there doing something during the week, a lot of people. And I found a book by John Shrell called They Spoke With Other Tongues in the Methodist Church Library. And I found, I thought, that's, that's what that Holy Spirit stuff, man, it's in the church library. I'm gonna, and, and so I, I'd been up there for a few minutes. Patty, you remember this, dude. It's part of this church. And, and so I came out with that, and I went to my pastor. Said, he, he said, you've been in the library? I said, yeah. He said, you find any good books? I said, yeah, look, I found this by John Sherrill. I didn't know how to pronounce his name. It's Sherrill. I said, John Sherrill? I think I said Sherrill. But John Sherrill, I said, they spoke with other tongues. He said, how'd that get in there? I said, I don't know. He said, somebody donated that, and I didn't know they put that in there. And I could tell that upset him a little bit, that that was in his library. But, but uh, when he said that, you got to realize, I was holding the book. I said, I said it's by John Sherrill, and, and, and it says they spoke with other tongues. He said, how'd that get in there? I went like this. <laughs> because he's not taking this away from me. I'm going to find what this guy had to say. And it was a very great book. You ought to get it written back in the 60s. It's a powerful book. Now, so number one, make sure you've been filled with the Spirit. Don't customize it. Go to the Word of God. I remember going to Father like this. Saying, Father, now this was my prayer to be filled with the Spirit. You can't do this without studying scriptures on the Holy Spirit. Don't so say me. I'll give you a load of them if you need them, because you need to pursue it scripturally. But I said this to the Lord on a Saturday night in my bedroom, locked in there. Just I'm in here to get the. I'm kind of had the attitude. I don't know if I said this, but I kind of had the attitude. I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit in this room, and I'm not coming out till I do. It's just sort of that attitude, and. I want to receive him. I want to be filled with him. And here's what I said to the Father. I said, Father, I said, I'm just being honest with you. I don't want anything, because I'd heard people talk about you get all kind of crazy stuff and weird stuff. I said, I don't want anything that doesn't line up with the book of Acts. I don't want anything more than what they got. But I don't want anything less than what they had either. I want a book of Acts experience. And I had those five scriptures that talk about the, the times that people were filled with the Spirit. So, Make sure, number one, you've been filled with the Spirit. And that's something you're going to have to pursue, and I'll help you if, you, if you'll come to me. Amen. And number two, the next way, how do we assure ourselves that we're led by the Spirit? Number one is be certain you're filled. But number two is make sure you're keeping filled. Amen. Because just because you've had an experience, for me, 1980, that's been almost 40 years ago, 39 and a half years ago. Just because I was filled with the Spirit in 1980, February of 1980, that doesn't mean that I'm filled with the Spirit today. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18, it says to the church, now this is Paul talking to spirit-filled Christians, and he said to them, be not drunk with wine, where in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now he was saying to spirit-filled Christians, these people, the Ephesus, this was Ephesians, Ephesus, they got spirit-filled in Acts 19. Remember Paul passing through the upper coast of Ephesus came, found certain disciples, said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost. And he began to say, well, what baptism were you baptized with? And he began to minister to them. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues in Acts 19. Then he says to this Spirit-filled church, don't be drunk with wine where in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit. A better translation says, be being filled. In other words, to the Spirit, Christian that has not been Spirit-filled, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But to the Christian that has been Spirit-filled, he's saying to us constantly, keep filled. Mm -hmm. Be being filled. Be constantly being Amen. filled. Yes. And so Smith Wigglesworth, who knew a lot about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, said it like this. It's one thing to being filled with the Spirit, but 
keeping filled is an entirely different right, thing. Yes. Right. Amen. Because just because, again, just because you had an experience with being on, filled with the Spirit good. doesn't necessarily mean... Now, this is going to sound bad, but all I'm trying to do is strike your thinking. Yes. Sometimes people ask me on the street, they'll say, well, what kind of church do y'all have? Y'all have a Spirit-filled church? I want to say that depends on which Sunday you come. <laughs> because we're not always act that way. Now, right. that, I don't say that because we are Spirit-filled. Which what I know what they mean is do you preach the Pentecostal right. experience? Do yes. you preach? And we do. Mm -hmm. And I answer right. that right. But I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, we don't always act like it. Right. Amen. How many of you Amen. know there's a difference in That's being right. Spirit-filled? experience in the past and being filled at the moment. Right. And that's something you have to constantly be that's drinking good. of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's Have you ever noticed that yes. if you watch a movie or you watch a series on something and it just gets in your heart, you get full of it. Yeah. And you start, it's kind of like the horror thing. Now, we don't watch horror movies, don't misunderstand me, and we don't train, we don't, we trained our children not to do that and our grandchildren. We don't do that. So I'm, but I'm using, but I grew up not having that instruction. Right, amen. And so I know what it is, but have you ever noticed if you watch something that's kind of scary or even, even uh, threatening or dangerous, right. mm -hmm. then all of a sudden the normal trip home looks a little different right. the next uh -huh. day? <laughs> yes. And little noises mean something right. different? Why? Because you're full of fear. Right. Because you have spent time. So really you become full of whatever you're right. spending your time on. That's right. You know, there's some people that I love baseball. I mean, I enjoy baseball. Not, I don't love it the same way I love my wife. I mean, Susan's catching up to that level, but I mean, I don't love it on the same level. Y'all know it's better than that. But my point I'm trying to make is some people are so full of baseball. I'm not judging it. I'm just saying some people are so full of baseball, they can talk statistics and who's, you know, being traded and who's on what team and who plays what position. And I can do that about the players in the 1970s because mm -hmm. that's when I got out of spending a lot of time with it. But I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad. Some people, my, my mother-in-law could tell you anybody that has played any position in Alabama football for the last 40 years and where they are today and what happened to them. I mean, cause, don't you go out here and tell her I said this, but she's full of it. You know, I mean, she's full of football. <laughs> don't you? I'll take it off the tape and say, I don't know what they're talking about. I didn't say that. No, because you're full of whatever you spend the most time with. My point to you is it's not a mystery to be filled with the Spirit. It's just right. spend time with Him. That's good. Yes. And you spend time yes. with Him in the Word because He's the author of it. He's yes. constantly, He will never lead anyone apart from That's the Word right. of God. Amen. He needs the instruction of the That's Word right. in your heart Amen. so that you can follow Him. Come you know, Because His voice is always going to speak in line with the Word. Yes. And so the more you're in the Word looking, especially looking at Holy Spirit, scriptures and passages and stories, then you're going to be full of it. Him, in this case, full of Him. And that's how we stay full of Him. Praying in tongues daily is how you keep yourself full of the Spirit of God. Praying in tongues is not an option for a Spirit-filled Christian. So I says, well, doesn't the Bible say, do all speak with tongues? And the answer to it being no, it does. But it's not talking about prayer language of tongues. It's talking about a ministry gift of standing in public services giving a message in tongues. Not everybody's going to do that. But when it comes to the prayer language, we all have that right, right. to pray in other tongues. I could give you scripture on that, but I'm not going to take the time to do that. Dave, you can come to me personally. I'd be glad to share it with you, or we'll teach it in another time. But make sure you're praying in tongues daily because there's scriptures like, for example, the book of Jude, which is only one chapter in the 20th verse says, but you, beloved, talking to you and I sitting at the table tonight, he said, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in tongues. Now, I couldn't obey that scripture if I didn't pray in tongues. Right. Amen. Pray in the Spirit, that's praying in tongues. Amen. So there's certain scriptures that God tells us to do that he was, He's wrong telling us to do it if we can't all be filled with the Spirit. Right. 
But we can be because He wants us all filled with the Spirit to have our private devotional time. And the more you pray in tongues, you build yourself up. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, you charge yourself up like you charge up a battery in the car. And a Christian that's batteries run down, spiritually run down, is because you can tell they haven't been praying in the Spirit and spending time with the Holy Spirit. So that's how you keep yourself full. Spend time each day so that we start recognizing His voice, His leading. And God's really, what he, I guess if I could say it like this, God's asking us to live our lives in a constant yielding to the Spirit of God. It's not just when you get into a big thing. You know, I've got a big deal, it's a big job decision, and I've got to really be led of the Spirit. Well, that shouldn't be such a big deal when it comes up if we're led of the Spirit every day. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you in the grocery store. Holy Spirit wants to lead you at bill paying time. He wants to lead you when you're car shopping. Anybody ever bought a car you regretted? But see, the Holy Spirit could keep you out of those kind of wrong deals. You know, and keep you out of these in relationships and jobs and all those kind of things. So he's asking us to live our lives in a constant yielding to him. And we did that. Of course, we spent our time on that. But look again at the screen. Look at this scripture, Romans 8, 14. We read this last week, spent a lot of time on it. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. But I mentioned this to you last week. And let me show it to you. Look at the screen again at the Passion Translation. And I underline something here. It says, the mature children of God, see those that are led of the Spirit of God are the sons of God. The mature children of God are those that are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Now, he's, if he just used the word pulses, um, what is, uh, David, what is the word they use when uh, somebody's cell phone pings, it pings on a tire? Is that the word they use? It's pinging. You know, you, you can tell where, what area is pinging off the tower, some area that somebody's in. Well, think of pulsing, a pulsation, mm. a little doot, doot, whatever. You know, something's pulsating like a signal, a beacon. Right. It's these inward pulsations mm. that the Holy good. Spirit's giving. But I underline that word impulses because I want you to see it's not a beat you over the head thing. God doesn't slap you across the face and tell you what to get like Susan gives me a Walmart list. You know, <laughs> get this and get it. He doesn't, she doesn't, he doesn't do that. He gives these impulses. And if you don't become sensitive to the impulses, mm -hmm. you'll live your life on your own. Wow. wow, wow. Those good. impulses are, are the only beacon he's going to give you or send you. Wow, that's good. That's good. Now, I know we say this a lot of times jokingly. Uh, if God, you know, I'll do that if God will write my name in smoke in the sky or if God will send me a burning bush and all this kind of thing. But the idea is God had to do those things for Moses, for example the burning bush, because Moses didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him like you and I do. Amen. God's not trying to, oh, Lord, help me get this across to you. The Holy Spirit is not trying to be leading you by an outward voice, right. a, not, a, not a voice from heaven right. that's shaking Amen. the earth. That's not how he wants to lead you. Right. He wants that still, small voice, yes. which Elisha had that yes. a, a experience with. Yes. He wants to speak to you from that still, small voice on the inside. Remember Amen. when Elijah was, was trying to, was it Elijah? No, it was Elijah or Elisha. I don't remember, saith the Lord. Um, God gets them mixed up too sometimes. That's a joke. Boy, y'all are just about a lot of fun. Y'all not laughing, but I, but I heard a guy prophesy one time. Because, you know, Elijah, Elisha, you know. I heard a man prophesying one time, and he said this. He said, this was the, the preacher. He said, as it was in the days of Elijah, or was it Elisha? I don't remember, saith the Lord. <laughs> And I thought, well, you know, so I thought I'd pull that on y'all, but that didn't work. But when Elijah, when, when Elijah was running, that's what it was Elijah. When Elijah was running from Jezebel, remember, because she was going to take his head off, and, and he hid out in the cave, and God was trying to speak to him information. And, 
And he had to learn what the voice of God was. And he had an experience where there was a, like a whirlwind. We call it a tornado around here. came through. And he said, well, I thought that was it. And God wasn't in the tornado or the earthquake or the loud noises and things that were big and boisterous and overwhelming. But he said it was finally, it was that still small voice mm -hmm. yes. is how God leads. Well, that's the way the Holy Spirit wants right. to lead. And he's doing that impulsing from the inside. Yes. And if yes. you don't spend enough time with him getting sensitive at the bread aisle Come on. That's right. Come on. about Amen. what bread he wants you to pick. I'm serious Come about on. that, about Amen. what bread he wants you to eat because he knows what's going to work in your body and what's not going to work right. in your body. And if you could start learning to listen to those things, you're not going to hear about the next job interview or the next Amen. thing and get the right information. Good. You're going to have to learn the little things. That's good. Um, the Lord said to me this afternoon, tell it to you like this, and I'll say it again maybe as we get to the end, but in other words, start low, rise higher, and catch fire. Just, just start low and just keep moving up higher. You know, don't, don't expect to be like Moses and lead the children of Israel out tomorrow, but expect to, you know, I did the right thing at the right. store today and I sowed, my, I, I sowed my offering to the right place, right? Yes. I, I fed the right homeless man yes. or whatever amen. it might be. That's right. Amen. When you start learning to do those little impulses, the Holy Spirit can lead you a whole lot better. Say amen if you can see that. Amen. And now tonight I want to talk to you about receiving him as the comforter. So write down the word comforter. The Holy Spirit is in us to be a comforter, and I'm going to show you some scriptures on it. If you will, please turn at these scriptures. All of them are in the book of John. It's 14, 16 through 18. We're going to start with, and you can see I've got the verses written down in chapter 15 and chapter 16. They're all right together, but we can look at them. John chapter 14, we'll begin there. What I'm showing you and what I want to get across to you are the number of times in the book of John that Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as a comforter or as the comforter. Amen. Now, I don't want us to get religious about the word comforter. What is a comforter? Something that makes you feel comfy. Right. Amen. You know, I kind of get aggravated these people will say things like this because they get so religious. They'll say, well, the Holy Spirit's your comforter, but He's not here to make your life comfortable. What? <laughs> what do you mean he's not here to make my life comfortable? If he's a comforter, he's here to make my That's life right. comfortable. Amen. And this, people are afraid a little bit for you to talk about the Holy Spirit making your life comfortable because mm -hmm. they think that means that you're not going to be on your toes or something like that. But the Holy Spirit's goal is, is to make your life comfortable. Right. Amen. And Amen. we know what it is to comfort someone. Now, when they're going through, and I'll deal with this in just a minute, but if a person's going through grief because they've lost something, sometimes it's a person they've lost. They've lost a loved one, a family member, somebody dear to them. That's grief. They'll right. grieve over that, I mean. Amen. Or, but it's not just that. It can be the loss of a job. It can be a loss of a relationship. It can be the loss of, of uh, some goal or some dream they thought was going right. to be accomplished, you know. Amen. They'll start grieving over that. And we know what it is to comfort. When somebody's going through a moment of grief over something they've lost or think they've lost, mm -hmm. then a comforter is someone that comes in and begins to comfort them, console them. We use right. the word console, which is another word for comfort. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is our consoler. He's to comfort yes. us. What do you first think of when you think of comforting somebody that's going through something really difficult? Like you think of a hug, don't you? I mean, I, I did that as a, as a reflex myself. I just thought, because, right. you know, that's, and, and I like to hug myself too. I do that. But anyway, comfort, <laughs> a hug. You think of a hug. Now, what are you doing? You're trying to give them, lay your head on my shoulder, you know, for, for comforting a child that just lost something. Right. You know, the frog died. You know, something like that. And, but you're, you hold them with a pet. And you hold them. And you just say, now just lay here. What are you doing? You're, you're giving them a comfortable place. Right. Amen. And to make them comfortable. What is the comforter for on your bed? To make you more comfortable, which right. is to make you more comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. To make you more comfortable. Right. You ever thought about having more money? Is, I hear people say that. So how, how's he doing financially? Well, he's comfortable. Yeah. You ever heard people say, well, they're, they're comfortable. Yeah. Right. Well, we're living comfortable. Well, what does that mean? 
living comfortable. It means you got enough money to pay what you wanted to pay and needed to pay and you got money left over, right? Because right? when you pay and all you can do is just pay what you can pay and you ain't got enough money to do anything else over, how many of you know that's not very comfortable? Amen. Sickness is not comfortable. That's right. Amen. You know, and so how, what would comfort you in that? Well, healing would. That's right. So I'm going to give you some things about how the Holy Spirit wants to work those things yeah. in our lives Amen. tonight. We'll yeah. do it really quick. All right, John chapter 14. Look first of all at verse 16. And Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit coming. And he says in the 16th verse, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another comforter. So you might want to circle these words comforter each time we look at them. He's going to give you another comforter, talking about the Holy Spirit. And what's he going to do? He's going to abide with you or stay with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it sees Him not, neither knows Him, but you, you believers know Him, for He dwelleth with you and He shall be where? In you. And then He says this, I will not leave you. When I leave here, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Amen. And I've pointed at this, this 18th verse out to you many times. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. The original text there says, I will not leave you as orphans. But then that's not, that don't even cover the Greek word enough. It doesn't just say, I won't leave you as orphans. What he literally said is, I will not leave you as orphans in a storm. Wow. I'll send another comforter to take care of you. Well, how do you comfort an orphan that's lost out in the storm? You bring them in and you take them to a place. And this is your house. That's the thing that brings comfort to an orphan. So the Holy Spirit's there to keep us from living our lives as orphans. Thank you for your enthusiasm. How are we supposed to live our lives? As orphans? No, as children of the Most High God. Scooted up to the table. So think about that. The Holy Spirit's job is not to leave you comfortless. Jesus said, I'm sending another comforter. I'm comforting you now. But when I leave, Jesus said, then the Holy Spirit's going to come and take my place and He's going to comfort you. Notice He called the Holy Spirit another comforter, meaning He's already comforting them. Boy, anytime they needed something, I'd always think of Peter. Peter needed tax money on April the 15th, and That's Jesus right. said, go fishing. That's right. Amen. First fish you catch, going to have the money in his mouth, pay taxes for you and me. Yes, amen. That brought comfort to Peter. That's right, amen. Getting your taxes. How many of you know when your taxes are paid, it's a comfort. Amen. You ever, you ever run into a situation where you owed and you didn't have? I'm talking about the IRS now. You ever run into a situation like that? Oh, my gosh, I owe this, and, and it makes you a little uncomfortable. When you owe somebody something that you don't have. Right. And so if he's a comforter, then he's fulfilling all of our needs. That's good. Yes. 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 So he's another comforter. Jesus did that for them, and now he said, another guy's going to take my place. He's the Spirit of God, and he's going to comfort you. Amen. And then look down at verse 26. He says again, but the comforter, circling, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever thing I've said to you. Right. So Holy Spirit, there's another part of the job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in there to teach you what you don't know, to reveal to you things you don't know, and He's in you to remind you what Jesus has already said. Amen. That's good. Now that verse right there reminds us that the Holy Spirit will never tell you something that Jesus hasn't revealed. Amen. Or we'll say that the Word doesn't teach. Amen. The Holy Spirit will always lead you in line with the Word, never apart from the Word. I had a man telling me the other day things, and I, the more I would tell him, well, what you're saying to me is not scriptural, but it didn't do a bit of good in the world to him. <laughs> what you're saying doesn't even line up with the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know, and I'm being wishy-washy about it, but I said, yeah, you are. I said, because it doesn't line up with the Bible. Well, the Holy Spirit, I said, no, the Holy Spirit yes, didn't sir. show you that. Because the Holy Spirit only leads in line with what Jesus That's would say, right. what the Bible says. Amen. And there's our verse. Say amen if you can amen. see that. Amen. And then look at chapter 15. 
Verse 26. But when the Comforter, Jesus said again, the Comforter, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and he'll bear witness of me. So the Holy Spirit will always back up what Jesus has said and done. And then chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's better for you guys that I go away, for if I don't go away, the Comforter will not come. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. So it's better for you if I go away and send the Comforter, he said. Right. Look at verse 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, that's the Comforter, is come, He will guide you into all the truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Amen. So He'll show you the future, Amen. and He'll reveal to you things that He hears from God. Yes. And I wish we could go further. But anyway, you can see He's a Comforter, and Jesus makes that real clear. Look at it. Maybe you can see it good in the Amplified Classic. Just look at here on the screen. Amplified says, Jesus said, but the Comforter, now, now this is a breakdown. You see the parentheses begins right after the word Comforter? Mm -hmm. That means in the original Greek when Jesus used the word that he translates in the Bible, Comforter, mm -hmm. here's what it really translates. But the Comforter, Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Advocate, Lawyer, in other words, Strengthener, wow. Standby, wow. the Holy Spirit. That Greek word which is, I don't know that I'll pronounce it just right, but it's uh, parakletos, comes from two Greek words, parakletos, and this is what it means, comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. That's who the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen. Let's, let's look at each of them just a minute. We're dealing with comforter, but he's your comforter. We're going to talk more about he's there to comfort you. Right. He's your counselor. He'll give you the right advice. He'll never counsel you wrong. That's right. Amen. Holy Spirit's in you to help you. He's your helper. Yes. He'll always help you. You're never alone. Amen. You're never without help. And you say... If you say, God, I need help. God, help me. You know, the Holy Spirit is going to be the answer to that. That's right. Amen. He's in you to help you. He's the helper. He's also the intercessor. That means He's interceding with words that work in heaven. He's the advocate. He's the lawyer that knows. Really what that word advocate means is He's like a lawyer. He knows what to say in the presence of God through your prayer when you don't know how to say it right. Amen. Have you ever been in a court where you were to uh, on trial for some reason or whatever, you know, just had some court stage. And if you had a lawyer, that lawyer usually would lean up to you when it was that judge would ask you something, and the lawyer would lean up to you and say, shut up and don't say a word, let me talk. <laughs> and the lawyer will talk, right? Something along that line. But what it is, because he's saying, the lawyer's saying, you didn't go to school and don't know what to say that this yeah. judge needs to hear, so let me yeah. say it in the way the judge needs to hear. Yeah. The intercessor, that's why you ought to pray in tongues yeah. a lot, because then you're saying to the Father, when you don't know how to pray yes. as you ought, you're speaking yes. mysteries, yes. and the Holy Spirit's yes. saying the right words. Yes. He's comforting you. See, see, if I were in a court, if I, if I had to go to court for something, and, and especially if it was something way out of my league, which most anything would be, and I wouldn't know what to do, and if I had my attorney sitting there with me saying, I got this, don't worry about it, just, you just, uh, then that would be a comfort to me. Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit's that way with us in everything in life. He's saying, just shut up and let me talk. I got this. It's going to be all right. And I'll show you scripture on that in just a minute. It's going to be all right. So it says he's our advocate and then he's our strengthener. So there's a constant renewing of strength from the Holy Spirit in us. And then he's our standby, which means he's standing next to us to help. He's not off somewhere. The Holy Spirit's always with you. Say amen to that. So he's your comforter. And again, write some of this down if you want to. The word comfort means the easing of, or the alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress, like I told you a moment ago. So to comfort means to ease or to alleviate someone's grief or stress, whatever's stressing them out. Or, and that's why a comforter comes and a lot of times embraces them and holds them and says, it's going to be all right. And it brings encouragement too. 
to ease the grief or the distress, or as we said, to console. You don't have to write this word for word, but just whatever speaks to your heart. Satan is constantly trying through attempts to fill people's hearts with grief over loss or over what they think they lost. So whether it's, like say we said a while ago, over so it could be a loved one, a family member, somebody close to them through death, or it could just be a relationship broke and whatever, or, or business or dreams and goals that just don't get right, didn't get accepted in this college or this didn't get in time, didn't get my degree in time, all these kind of things that go on and people feel like they've lost out on something. That they've lost out on the race. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit's in there to tell you, no, 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 don't give up yet. It's going to be all right. Yes. And I, I'm going to show you chapter and verse, and you're yes. going to get excited. I'm just wondering why you don't take my word for it and shout now, but you go into it in a minute. So family member relations, opportunities, whatever it is, it brings the idea of loss, and if you hold on to the idea of loss, it brings the idea of depression. Because and, dep and, and listen, and depression, once it comes, if it's not dealt with, as we all know, can be extremely dangerous. That's right. Don't ever play with depression. That's right. I talked with a lady yesterday sitting in the back back there. I got a funeral to do on Sunday. Her son, 48 years of age, had died, a long battle of, of sickness and disease. Susan asked me later, said, how is the mother? How's, is she, of course, the boy, 48 years old, grown man, you know, but still it's your son, you know. Right. She said, how, how, uh, how is the mother? And I said, you know, I said, I think that's the most perfect example of a believer at a time like that because she was just real excited that her son was in heaven. Now, she said, I'd love to have him here, and I'm sad that he's gone. And if I get to thinking about that, I quickly get back over to thinking what he's doing instead of what I'm going through because that sucks me in. She said, that depression sucks me in, and I'm not going to let that do it. And that's what depression's designed to do. I run into people sometimes that enjoy that low moment. They enjoy that depression maybe because they want sympathy. They want, But I'm not here to... There's a difference in sympathy and comfort. I will not pet sympathy yeah. with sympathy something because it won't help you. I right. learned that from Brother Copeland years ago. He said, never be sympathetic, be compassionate. There's a difference in that. Mm -hmm. Sympathy just says, oh yeah, poor old you. But comfort says it's going to be better. The future, right. you keep yeah. your eyes on the future. Amen. Now Susan and I get ridiculed sometimes for taking that attitude, but if you don't, you'll get sucked into that past right. and you'll keep Amen. repeating the past right. and the same problem will go because Satan's trying to pull people in. That's and then, right. then you get into the deep depression yeah. and people get suicidal and things yeah. of that nature. Yeah. As you well know, that can be a very dangerous thing. But it all comes over loss. Right. What they look at is a loss. Loss brings depression and that can be life-threatening. Self-destructive, whatever it might be. But anyways, we're, another thing that when you start entertaining that depression... Here's a way to put it, and I'll just not spend much time on it, but you become also very vulnerable to the next attack. Right. Listen, I watched enough movies on cowboys and Indians to tell you I know what I'm talking about here. When the Indians attack, if they whip the snot out of you, but you survive that one, you better get busy getting your defenses for the next attack. Right. Well, I appreciate you all having fun with me tonight, Amen. but... That's the way the devil is. Listen, don't sit there and just lick your wounds and poor old me and look how the people we lost and look how. If you want to die, do that. But if you want to live, you start building your fortress. That's right. Amen. And that's what the Holy Spirit's in you to help you do. The Holy Spirit is in us to console us so that we can console others. Now, look, here's another scripture. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Amen. Y'all give me just a few more minutes. Oh, I'll do this fast. I, gotta, I realize time's gone, so I got to do this really fast. 2 Corinthians 1, all right, this is verse 3. Now, look, we're, of course, we're looking for the word comfort, and we're thinking about, hey, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you see the word comfort in the Bible, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Amen. Look at verse 3 with that in mind. Blessed be God, Paul said, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, 
who comfort God who comforteth us, us in all of our tribulation so that we may be able to comfort them which are in any kind of trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Amen. Now, that's a lot of comforts in there. Now, what does that say? It just says God comforts us through the Holy Spirit so that we can comfort others that are going through similar times like we went through. But anyway, God's in us to comfort us so that we can comfort others. Keep that in mind and turn to Romans 15. Back to the left, Romans 15. So the question could be then, okay, if the Holy Spirit's in us to comfort us so that we can be strong enough to comfort others, how does He comfort us? What is the bottom line? How does the Holy Spirit comfort us? I comfort with a hug, but that don't really do it. You ever had anybody hug you and it didn't bring the peace you needed? What does bring the peace? Well, why is a person needing needing comforting? Because of loss, they've, they've lost their peace about something. So we know then that comfort brings peace. It'll take peace to comfort. So if the Holy Spirit's the comfort, then He comforts through peace. But how does He bring peace? Hope. Through the Word. Hope. Look at it. You ready? Romans 13. Here's the answer. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope through the power of, who does it? The Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit brings hope by telling us what the Scripture says. Not to give up. Don't give, I don't care how hard the situation looks. Right. I don't care how heavy it feels right now. Don't give up. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'm going to get a picture of this and bring to you all maybe Sunday. I was watching, I can't remember, but one of the American Indians, I can't remember who it was, Native Americans that participated in the Olympics back in the 50s, was it? He was probably being persecuted because of being an Indian. And so he was in the track events. I don't remember what his event was, one of the decathlon running, mile run, whatever it was. And so some of the other people stole his shoes before the race. And he couldn't find them. Did you say his name? Thorpe. Say it louder. Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. You ought to look at this. You ought to look this up online. This is pretty cool. And so what Jim did is that morning when he got up and realized somebody had stole his shoes, and he, it, most people went home at that point because <laughs> he couldn't run. But he went through the garbage till he found two mismatched shoes. Okay. One was so big he had to wear extra socks on one side. And he still won the gold medal. Oh, praise wow. God. Praise now, most God. people would have said, I quit at that, wow. but not him. See, well, that's why the Holy Spirit's in us to give us that kind of strength, but it comes through hope. So it takes peace to comfort you, but it takes hope to bring the peace. So the Holy Spirit will always lead us in line. Now, we'll do these last scriptures pretty quick now, but the Holy Spirit will always lead us in line with peace, with the scriptures. How? How does He do it? He does it by imparting revelation to us. Holy Spirit imparts. You can write some of this down really quick, and I'll just be real quick. How does the Holy Spirit do it? He imparts revelation to us. We've already read scriptures on that, but He's constantly revealing to you what God's wanting to do rather than you getting caught up in the problem. And number two, He assures us that everything's going to be all right. Holy Spirit will do that for you. In our health, everything's going to be all right. In our health, everything's going to be all right. In our wealth, everything in our future is going to be okay. He's constantly, the Holy Spirit will constantly speak to you about the future. Remember the scripture that said Jesus will show you things to come? So He's constantly going to be talking to you about your future, declaring the end from the beginning. He's going to say right here at the beginning of this, they just diagnosed you with cancer. I'm just making this up. They just diagnosed you with fourth stage cancer and gave you six days to live. God said, well, the end result of this thing is you're going to be going around the world helping people that battled cancer. And here's how we're going to get there. Then he starts doing it. Because look look at the screen. He declares the end from the beginning. Now watch this. It's Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. I'm just going to read it on the screen for you very quickly. It says, remember, now this is God talking to you and me. I'll wait for you to 
look up here with me. All right, ready? Yes. He says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there's none else. I'm God and there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from the ancient times or old times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. And the Holy Ghost says, I, I have spoken it, God says. I will also bring it to pass. Yes. I have purposed it and I also Woo. will do it. Yes. Amen. In other words, God Thank says, God. you're going through the beginning of a problem here. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you about the end of this yes. thing. It's going to end the way yes. I said it's going to do. We're not going to go with yes. the devil's plan. We're going to come out of this thing stronger and better than we ever were. Look at it in the easy-to-read version on the screen. Easy-to-read version, God says, In the beginning I told you that this would happen in the end, the, the end result. A long time ago I told you things that have not yet happened. When I plan something, God said, it happens. I do whatever I want to do. Isn't that encouraging to think about? And that's the kind of way the Holy Spirit will always deal with you. Holy Spirit will always deal with you on a good plan. The Holy Spirit will never say, Yep, you're right. You're dead this time. This is the end, boy, it's going out. No, no, he'll never talk to you about that. No. Oh, you're never going to get your healing. You're no. never going to get your strength. Baby. You're never going to get your financial breakthrough. No, he'll never, that'll never be the Holy Spirit. Because no. he'll always say, God said it and God will do it. That's God right. hadn't backed down. Now watch this, a little bit lengthy, but this is the whole thing in the message translation. So just here, get your shout ready for this. Now here's what God says. Think about this. Wrap your minds around this. This is serious business, rebels. Take it to heart. <laughs> Remember your history, your long and rich history. I'm God, the only God you've had or will ever have. I'm in, incomparable. I'm irreplaceable. From the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be. All along, letting you in on what is going to happen. I'm assuring you. I'm, now think about that. I'm assuring you I'm in this for the long haul, God says. I'll do exactly what I set out to do. I've said it. I will most certainly do it. I've planned it. It's as good as done. Now, anytime, anytime you have a discouraging feeling that says it's over, just say, that's not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost always tells me it's as good as done. Always. He'll always do that for you. Did you get anything out of that? Now, I don't know if I got time to just finish this, but this, this is powerful. You can just look at it. So that's a comfort to us. Many times, I know he's assured me over the years, I was thinking about this day, he said, I'm with you and everything's going to come out okay. You'll always hear the Holy Spirit say that, but you've got to learn to yield to him. Now, I told you I was going to show you how he'll always take us through, and I'm going to talk fast here. All right, here he is making our lives comfortable, right? We said a while ago, health makes our lives more comfortable. Money makes our life more comfortable. Health is a result of, let me give you this on health right quick. This was a revelation to me this afternoon. I thought this was pretty powerful. Health is a result of God's nature at work in our lives. Now, let me tell you why this is big. I'm going to spend just a minute on it. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's our reborn spirit. Yeah, but my reborn spirit is full of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. right. So you can't separate my spirit and the Holy Spirit. The Bible right. says my spirit and the Holy Spirit is one spirit. Amen. Right? So the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in my yes. life. Love, Amen. joy, peace. Now, yes. if I yield to, because I have to follow His leading, He can't make me love, but if I yield to love, yield to joy and peace and long-suffering and so on, and treat people the way the Holy Spirit says to treat people, the fruit of the Spirit, then it leads me to a better life of health. Amen. Well, if that's true then, if health is a result of God's nature at work in our lives, then the leading cause of disease then would be the fruit of the enemy's nature in us. Ooh which is wow. me not yielding to the fruit of the Spirit, but oh, yielding wow. to the wrong negative attitudes. Oh, wow. My anger, my frustration, my fears, my doubts, wow. all the things that are negative frustration that are not love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentlemen. Yeah. I didn't say that's the only cause, because I know somebody won't argue with me on that, but it's the leading cause. Mm -hmm. 
we got spirit-filled scientists now like Caroline Leaf telling us that. Yeah. You yield to the wrong things, the wrong nature in your life, you're going to produce disease and sickness and problems. Yeah. And also, same thing with prosperity, be affected the same way. Amen. But now let me take you into this. All right, to live comfortably financially, we understand this. The Holy Spirit leads us into wealth. That's a big deal now. I'm trying to say it too fast. But always remember, the Holy Spirit will lead you into wealth. If you don't like the financial status you're on, God's got something better. I am guarantee you that from the Scriptures. And if you'll listen to it, the Holy Spirit will lead you, guide you into a wealthy place. Amen. Now, I can show you a lot of Scriptures on it, but I just chose these right quickly. If you'll write down Isaiah 48, 17 and 18. Amen. Now, this is God telling what He would do if you'd let Him lead you. Come on. Amen. Okay? Follow it Amen. with the Scripture. Yes. Thus Amen. saith the Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I, the Lord your God, which teaches you to profit. Yes. Yes. Profit means yes. to increase and be successful financially. Yes. I teach you to profit, which leads you by the way that you should go. In other words, the Holy Spirit leads you in a way that will bring prosperity yes. into your life. Amen. If you'll just listen to Him. Well, reading it out of this other translation will help you, I think, a whole lot. This is message translation. I didn't write that down. He said, Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments. Then you would have had peace, which is the word for prosperity. You would have had prosperity would have been like a river and your righteousness as the ways of the sea. If you just listen to the Holy yes. Spirit, He'll lead you into a place That's of prosperity. Right. All right, watch. Amplified will bring this out really good. You want one more shout before you go yes. home? Okay, Amen. watch this. God says, oh, if you would have paid attention to my commandments or my leading, right. then your peace and prosperity would have been like a flowing river. The message says, I am God, your God, who teaches you how to live right and well. I show you what to do, where to go. If you had listened all along to what I told you, your life would have flowed like a full river, blessings rolling in like waves from wow. the sea. Wow. Now this is the way God wants to. All we got to do is learn to start yielding our lives to the Holy Spirit and start letting Him lead us into a place of blessing and increase. Amen, if you can see all that. Now we got a lot of things to talk about. I don't want you to go out here half-cocked, as my daddy would say, thinking you got everything. We don't. We're going to have to spend time talking about learning to Practice the presence of God. Yes. To get used to listening to that voice. You're going to have to say, you're going to, you, this is where you start practicing. I'll deal with the whole service one night. But you're going to have to start saying, okay, I'm going to go all day today, and every time I think the Holy Spirit's leading me to something, I'm going to yield to it. Amen. Now, I might make a mistake, but I'm going to yield to everything I think you're telling me the, yes. to the best of my ability, you know, and, and I'm going to do that. Well, if you'll start practicing days like that, two things you'll find out in a day like that. You'll find out like, ooh, I thought that was God and that wasn't God. Right. You'll find out some of those things. I've got to learn to hear him a little keener than that. That's good. And you'll say, you know what? That was God. I did that and that That's was God. Good. That worked. And you'll, yeah. you'll start learning to yield over here to the voice that you're recognizing yeah, as right. the Father yeah. in line with yeah. the Scripture. And before long, yeah. you're out there listening to God all day long yeah. speak to you and you're listening to his Amen. voice and you won't follow the voice Come of the stranger. Amen. And when you start doing that, though, we'll start getting into that place where he can lead us Amen. into prosperity and health and all these things. Amen. Amen. Did you get Amen. something out of that tonight? Yes. Well, jump to your feet. Thank you all for being here.